0: I'm Kate Northrup.
1: And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business.
0: Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living.
1: Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Mike.
0: And this is Kate. We're so happy to have you here. We have just managed to get the children out of the house, which is like, oh my we have determined based on evidence that trying to have the kids leave while we go down to the basement to record a podcast does not work.
1: Yeah. So just, that's why we're ending the show. That's it. <laughs> just tired of it's dealing our with the
0: children. children. Mm-hmm. No. And, and Ruby is I'm very excited. It's Ruby's first day of preschool today. She's young. However, our neighbors ended up hiring the lady who was running or who was the preschool teacher at Ruby's old daycare as their nanny. And she is running preschool for their three-year-old. So they were like, do you guys want to go in on it on a curriculum with us? And Ruby can just start preschool with Sophia. And we were like, how sweet. So it's literally like four houses down. And she has her little backpack on and she's walking to preschool so cute she's really excited about it
1: she's cute anyway she um an orange we had a massive meltdown because there was an orange in penelope's lunchbox today
0: and she had said she didn't want she one she wanted an orange but it was hiding in there
1: from yesterday anyway and then i looked at ruby and i and she ruby go it's such a great like lesson of life where one person wants something and the other person doesn't. And I take the orange out of Penelope's lunchbox. Ruby looks directly at me as Penelope is just screaming and crying. And she goes, I'll have that. <laughs> she, t- I was like, how about I put it in your lunchbox and you can have a snack at school? Mm-hmm. She goes, okay, great. In your lunch bag. <laughs> and I'm hilarious. like, oh my God. Okay. So- All right. Well, today we are doing the Ask Us Anything episode yeah is there anything you'd like to share beforehand today no, our episode with zach bush dro- drops goes live
0: yes well at the time of this recording but when you listen to this episode the zach bush episode will have already been out for a yeah. week
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah no just you know it's the first day of september that we're recording this and
1: happy birthday to mike let's just say it's that Mike's
0: birthday on friday mm-hmm. september 4th we've got
1: some fun just things planned. publicly acknowledge acknowledge myself when you listen to this episode,
0: his birthday will be over. Mm-hmm. And it will have been amazing. Yeah. Another year of mm-hmm. being fabulous.
1: Whopping. I asked Iris yesterday, who is probably our youngest listener. Shout out to Iris. Her birthday's coming up. And so we were talking about her turning seven. And I said, how old do you think I'm going to be? She goes, 65. That's so funny I said, how, how close. kids have no concept. Yeah. Not, not. I mean, I wasn't expecting any answer. And then yeah. I said, well, that's a little high. And she goes, 28 and i was like in the middle find the middle space so that's funny 38 years old wow
0: all right so with that let's get to the questions
1: great uh this is from michaela brown michaela i think i pronounced that correctly i know you guys have been pretty vocal about black lives matter and unpacking racism sadly today these can be still controversial sometimes alienating issues. I was wondering if you've ever come under criticism from family, friends or strangers because of your attention to these subjects. If so, how do you deal with that?
0: Uh, Yes, we have. We have had a lot of email inbox responses, basically saying stay in your own lane and stop talking about race. And Mm -hmm. every time I do a, uh, I've been doing a Friday series on my Instagram. I'm not doing it. I host, you know, I don't know. I organized it for the keep sharing the mic movement. And so every Friday I've been having a black woman I admire take over my Instagram. And in general, that has not been amazing for the analytics, but I'm doing it anyway. And, you know, people always are going to have things to say. And so I think that for me, and then I'll pass this over to you to share your experience. You know, the more we grow this business and the more our platform grows, and I think like the more specific we get about who we are in the world, the more people have something to say about it. It's really easy to just sort of like a brand that's, you know lukewarm or sort of like the off-white of brands that's probably a bad example given the conversation but like the the beige right like so
1: you know I, off-white's a fashion brand oh really oh you don't
0: <laughs> sorry i meant the color
1: i meant the co- no i didn't know that yeah i because it's as you said that i was like off what does that what's the fashion brand have anything to do something with
0: something you might not know about me is that i live under a rock like i yeah. don't really yeah I pay attention to what I pay attention to. There's a lot that I don't pay attention to anyway. So I feel like, yes, if we wanted to not receive negative feedback, we would go more beige and we would keep everything kind of in the middle of, okay. let's love everyone. Let's be kind. Let's which I totally agree with kindness and loving everyone. However, I think poking at the discomfort is important for growth. You know, when you go, I have done three hard workouts in a row and my body is sore today, right? Because I'm building strength. So I created discomfort in order to grow my strength. And so it's the same thing with topics that people might not want to hear about. It's like, Sorry. You know, that's just the deal. Now, I do certainly like I'm not bringing up intense racial discussion at every family dinner, for example, but it comes up a lot. And I think it's really important to like keep poking at those things and keep talking about them with your family, not from a place of divisiveness, but just from a place of like, hey, here's what I've been thinking about what do you think about this and really coming into that place like Valerie Carr talked about of wonder where we absolutely have lots of family members who are politically different than us and who have different belief systems and a whole spectrum of issues. And so for me. First of all, if so, if a stranger emails me and tells me to stay in my lane, I'm like, well, you can just unsubscribe. Like, it's really easy to not follow my stuff. <laughs> so that's fine. But I do every time it happens. I'm a little like, Ugh. you know, but that's okay because I'm human. But then the piece about like being in community with people you love who you disagree with That's, I think, the more challenging place and also the deeper opportunity for growth. And I really highly recommend Valerie Carr's book and See No Stranger and just really being in that place of wonder and asking like, okay, what have been the experiences in this person's life? Why might that be their perspective? It just gives us, for me, it just gives me so much more compassion. And I think we can really find commonality more often than not. Hmm. What's it been
1: like for you, honey? To answer the first part, have you come under criticism from what we've been talking about? Well, because I'm not the face of kind of our company, I haven't experienced it as much as like what you, what we've received through the email inbox, et cetera. But I do know like as posts have happened, like when we first kind of started talking about these things, definitely around the George Floyd well, we start, I mean... Well, a while ago. It's but has been years. It, It's been years. But as things happened around George Floyd, your numbers of analytics went down, mm-hmm. right? So, there were people that start... And I've talked to other people in different worlds, different activism worlds that they have experienced the same thing. And it's because it, it makes us... We have to think about what we're experiencing. It, there's such a challenge that comes up to be like, oh, I have to do something or... It just makes us a little uncomfortable and it's a good space to be. So how do you deal with it for family and friends? I mean, we have like with family members, like they all come with their own preconceptions and their own journey and they're all here and it can get complicated with their own experiences, right? If they're younger, if they're older, what that looks like. I've noticed that people in our lives that are younger are way more fluid with they're just acknowledging like... Oh why what is wrong with you? You know they're like looking at us and be like get it together. Like basically like what is wrong with you? Like get you you know this is how the world is, right? And with people that are older, they are older and stuck in their ways and they've been taught a, or learned, not taught, but taught and learned this certain way for a long time and so it takes it's a little bit longer to bring them around. But even I was on the phone with my mom one day and I just said what are you doing for anti-racism work? And she was like, what, what, you know, it like it kind of caught her off guard. And then we had a conversation about it and she's, you know, she's just things that she's experienced and we're having discussions about. And I mean, that's where it starts. It's just like talking about what our experience has been and what we're learning and what we're reading about. And then there's some people that won't learn, but also it's like, I think that's a beautiful space is like referring back to like Zach Bush's podcast is how do I show up for love for this person that might have a completely different view than me and you know like what's their intention around it and so how instead of getting very defensive about it that definitely doesn't help like if somebody writes it and it's like stay in your lane and we, oh, i think you know it's like writing and yelling back no, to them is not say, the answer it's not the solution
0: thank you so much for listening thank you so much for your feedback i really do take it to heart and also i'm gonna keep talking about what matters to me yeah That's basically what I say. I also just want to shout out my sister, Anne, has been like an amazing partner in this work and in these discussions. She and I talk about, you know, our family lineage and intergenerational trauma and like all the things like she's just so awesome and super on it with this. So like also sometimes there's pushback and also Sometimes there's incredible healing. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone in our family, you know, at least our immediate families have shown up for the conversation in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, I don't know. I mean, it's always like so such an odd topic to be like, and I'm happy about that or, but I'm just, I'm grateful. Yeah. I would say I'm grateful.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So thank you. A question came in from, we'll just address this. Abby Blythe had a question about how we celebrate birthdays and I'll just because my birthday's coming up, and we can just talk briefly about what we look like f- for each person's birthday. So we usually ask each other, like, "What do you desire for your birthday? Like, what's what, what would you like to happen?" Right, and so that starts there, right? And Kate's family definitely celebrates birthdays. I would say Kate's mom and sister put it that immediate family structure celebrates birthday in a way that I never knew about previously. Right? There's this big. It's really kind of it's a grandiose type of an event and i've now been accustomed to that over time and i we used to throw i threw a surprise birthday party for kate when we first started dating it was a four day it was amazing
0: epic 30th birthday extravaganza yeah. it was uh remarkable
1: friends <laughs> flew in from all over the country <laughs> to
0: surprise like, me like it was amazing yeah. he brought our farmer in to salsa dance with me which we talked about on the zach bush episode there was incredible food, like it was ridiculous. There was spa. I it was mean, too much for you. I did have a little yeah. trouble taking it in. I think I would be better at it now.
1: Yeah, for sure you would. It was so joyful. It was a lot. It's, it's a great memory. It was a lot. I mean, it's true. But like for planning this birthday coming up, you know, like Kate's basically said, you know, it's like what what type of things would you like? Like make a list. Send me some items of like if you wanted to get gifts. We usually do gifts on birthdays and then we're like around other holidays, we kind of limit it to like a hundred dollars each or something like that. And we don't go, I would say for Christmas stockings, which I'm all about. Birthdays are definitely like kind of the all out. It's the one time of year where you can kind of really go big. Yeah. And we just have fun with it, you know, and not really stress about it. Previously I've stressed about like trying to overdo it to Kate, like all these ultimate surprises and going over the top and, I think there's a place for that, but it came, it didn't come from like a whole place in Mike is a great way to do it. So yeah, I mean, birthdays, we just created an experience. Like I booked a birthday dinner for myself because it was I like I got this, a calendar invite yeah. to
0: Mike's birthday and dinner like two weeks ago. I was like, oh, great. Check.
1: This That's local restaurant done. is doing... Uh, They did for thirteen days in a row, and I saw this on their Instagram, and the food is delicious. It's from Dandelion Catering. It's also known as the Garrison here in our town. If you live in Maine, you can always check it out. But they did thirteen nights of a single table down by the river. And in a van. In a van. The the river. river. But it's just the chef they call it the chef's table, and you're just there's so it's Kate and I. We're gonna eat solo dinner. 10 courses like this is gonna be ridiculous i'm gonna need to wear my stretchy pants yeah for sure (laughs) 10 courses and it's like just the two of us down by the river so it's like celebration my birthday but it's also kind of a celebration to the ending of what we've been doing for the decade it's pretty cool like it's kind of the cap of what like this experience that we've been through i'm gonna cry yeah me too okay next question thanks abby for asking that question Lori burke This is I adore your podcast, the do less method in the planner system. And I've found that living cyclically rather than linearly has changed my life. So thank you. Okay. The question is, would Kate please continue with the podcast or with a podcast? so there's a whole bunch and then she just lists like all of these ideas that you could talk about could or would she do a solo show focused on solely on women's cycles planning our lives around the phases of the moon the menstrual cycle like doing a series of podcasts teaching the do less method and how to use the planner there's like this is idea generation like crazy can we use an episode about not just about business but about mothering and raising a family while going with the flow of your cycle is there a way to get a person who ovulates with the new moon to somehow switch her cycle to the full moon also can Kate talk about mother daughter cycle dynamics Wow! i have a teenager in my house now and our cycles are nearly in sync is there any wisdom i can share with my daughter advice um, you would give to mom's daughters who are in their cycle
0: so i would definitely check out the work of badass girls it's an amazing company started by my friend eliza so go check out badass girls for your girl to learn about the wisdom of her cycle so that's one thing. Mothering and daughtering is also a beautiful um, it's
1: badass girls, or it's badassgirls.me. Me yeah.
0: also mothering and daughtering is a company that Eliza founded with her mother, Syl Reynolds, who is also amazing. And so, if you're wanting sort of your more work as a mother, you can check out. So, mothering and daughtering for you as a mother, badassgirls.me for your daughter, and Lori. I will not say one way or another what my plans are, but I'm going to file those ideas away and keep it in mind. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. This is from Sarah Claghorn. This is like everybody gets to listen to Mike try to pronounce things. You've had some incredible guests on your show. Any tips on how to pitch and then prepare for a rich convo?
0: What a great question. Okay. So for our origin empresses, We just did an entire month on this topic. So August was all about how to leverage media and publicity to get your word out there get your mission out there and get more eyeballs on your stuff how to pitch how to prepare all of that we talked with selena sue it was amazing i did a how-to lesson there's lots of great stuff there so if you're not an origin empress you can get on the wait list over at origincollective.com we are opening the doors again for a brief time in october which will be the final time you can join in 2020 and you would have access to that full month when you join origin you get access to our full library of content from previous months, and then you get all the new months as well. However, I will tell you, I will actually answer your question, but I just want to tell you where you could learn more. So many of the guests that we have had on our show are people we know. So over the past four years, many of them have been people that Mm -hmm. we already knew ahead of time or that we met through traveling, conversation, friends of Mm -hmm. friends, conferences, speaking gigs, being on their podcast, you know, an intro. So it's not been hugely often that we've gone widely outside of our own circles to pitch and invite people. So I just wanna be really honest that like we may not be the world's leading experts at that because there was always like a pretty warm connection to begin with. I think the exception to that was Zach Bush. I definitely pitched him. Here's what I learned about pitching from my dear friend Noah Levy
1: who it, oh yes I would also say because of the way you rolled out do less you did a lot of pitching as well for certain people a ton yeah
0: and so I also did in origin two back-to-back months how to get your book written and then how to get your book out into the world. And I did a whole rundown on how to pitch. I put in a sample pitch for pitching myself on other people's podcasts. But this is more I think for pitching people to be on your podcast. So my advice and I learned this from my friend Noah is to really make it about how can it serve them. So oftentimes I will get invited to be on other people's podcasts and the invitation is very them focused so it's like i love your work i want to share you with my audience my audience would love it because of this this is what i want it's rare that somebody focuses their pitch on how it can support me and my mission Now, I get it. And like, I often say yes to those pitches anyway. I'm not bad mouthing anybody. It's cool. I get how it works. However, if you want to stand out, I would genuinely talk about what it is that you love about this person's work and how it's changed your life. One sentence. Don't blow smoke up their skirt. Just one true sentence about the way their work has changed your life. The more specific you can get, the better. Because as somebody who puts their heart and soul into creating content that ideally is going to change people's lives, literally there is no amount of money that I could earn that would replace how good it feels to know that it's worth it for somebody. And like when I get an email that says a genuine like, I don't know, I can't think, you know, I'm having trouble thinking of an example right now, but like just something that's so true about, it's just so beautiful. Okay, that would be step one. Step two would be talk about your audience and how your audience and your community connects with what it appears to be is this person's mission, right? So if somebody was like, I have an audience of 200,000 entrepreneurial women who are stuck in the cycle of overwork, And I would love to put your voice in front of them. And you can talk about your wisdom and also mention your planner. I would be like, okay, great. like that's so specific. That's exactly what I want, right? And then just make it easy for them to... I don't love it when people just put the booking link right in the... They're like, and great. And so here's the link to book. It's like a little presumptuous. Do what you want. I find it presumptuous. I also feel like it's making me do the work. So that's like a whole mm-hmm. other thing. But yep. I just, I don't love that. So anyway, that's what I would say. Those That's my advice. And then how to prepare for a rich conversation. Know the person's work. It drives me bananas when somebody pitches me for their podcast. Then I say yes. And then they respond back and are like, great. Can you send along eight questions that you'd like me to ask you? And I'm like... Oh, really? So you want me to do the interview for you? So you want me to show up and answer all the questions and also do all the prep work for you? Uh, No, (laughs) ma'am. So now when I get those questions, instead of being irritated about it and doing it, I just respond back and say, I prefer to answer questions that the interviewer would like to ask me.
1: That's good. Yeah.
0: So... Prepare by reading the person's book or listening to their podcast or being in their programs. I mean, the best interviews that I've been interviewed on are from people who actually genuinely are like into the thing, into the stuff. They've clearly read the book, they've clearly engaged with the stuff. It's so fun. And it's also really obvious when somebody is just having me on because. I don't know, like they think it's a name or like, and they haven't engaged with any of the stuff. The questions are sort of like "the." Mm-hmm. So those are my thoughts. So it's, you know, I don't think it's that hard to show up and actually genuinely care about somebody's work.
1: Yeah. And let's, and the biggest thing, I heard this from Larry King a long time ago, cause he was talking about th- uh, this thing and he just says, I'm very interested in what that person has to say. Cause he doesn't prepare for any of his interviews. But right? he knows but who he's, the person is. Yeah, he's been also been doing this for like 45 years. So there's an extreme, right? You have like, I know Tim Ferriss, when I used to listen to him a lot, he has extensive research on like he has dove deep into these people with lots of notes and all this stuff. And then you have the other side with Larry King is like he doesn't interview or he doesn't prepare any questions. So I think you have to find what your comfort zone is when you are coming to conversations is like, what do you actually need to be fully prepared And then also, like, you're just listening. You're shutting up, you're letting the person talk, and you're just listening. And then your questions, because if we come to an interview with, like, it's tough because we did this with Zach Bush. We had questions prepared, and we've done it a couple times. And it's challenging because you want to ask these questions, but you don't want to deviate from the conversation.
0: Right, because sometimes it feels really out of left field.
1: Yes. If like I'm talking about blueberries and then Kate looks at me and says, all right, tell me about the carpet that was just installed. You know, and it's just like, where did that, you know, it's, it's like you can do that, but it has to be like the flow has to be right. And so you just have to, I think that's the biggest thing with conversations.
0: Yeah. And I also want to say, having been interviewed for, you know, smaller podcasts and larger podcasts, just because somebody has a big platform does not mean they're a good interviewer. Right. And some of my most favorite experiences being interviewed have been with people who have a smaller audience, but are so committed and so present. And so I just want to say, like, no matter who you are, you get to play. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, it may take a while to get some of the guests that you want on. And that's okay. Yep. Yep. You know i just yeah there's so much more i could say about that
1: great but. avenue i mean is honestly is like instagram to do that right now like in the dms because like there's yeah. a lot of the people other on thing
0: that. i do when i'm pitching guests who like when i pitch zach bush <laughs> i get very just like it's just, it's a it's pretty masculine approach I say, we'd love to have you on our podcast. We get this many downloads per episode. We have an email list of this many. My social media is this many. We'd love to spread your word to that many people. So at this particular point in my career, I can do that. I'm very straightforward about it because I'm like, this This is is a good venue to reach Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And that
1: works at this particular point. That was not the case at the beginning. Right. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Sarah, for the question. Randy says, Randy Munez. Munez? Munez? Munez. Maybe? Yeah. I don't know yeah. if there's many What would you want in a virtual teacher?
0: A virtual teacher f- in what context?
1: I just said that's their question. So I could just say what I would like in a virtual. I don't know if it's for our kids.
0: Without but, much context, it's a tricky to answer yeah, this question, but we'll take a shot at it.
1: No, I just like, well, think about like an online course like that. To me, I consider I'm like a virtual answer it In teacher. the context of yes. an online course. Yeah. Some, you know, it's like I think about Amy Porterfield delivering her online content and it's phenomenal. And <laughs> what
0: I want in an online teacher is Amy Porterfield. Amy Porterfield.
1: She's very detailed. She explains what needs to happen. She's very neutral in her like approach to everything. Like she it's has a Amy's great voice personality. To Yeah, it's a great. And then I know she does production. Like there's a lot of production that goes into hers. You don't necessarily need great production. A video that's not blurry is great. You know, it's just like having a clear video. Don't have laundry in the background. Yeah, and a clear audio is great. You know, like that's it. I mean, that's what I'll say about a virtual teacher.
0: Somebody who takes the information that is available for free on the internet and aggregates it in a way that is user-friendly and boils down what's out there into a step-by-step process so it saves you time that to me is a great virtual teacher and someone where it's obvious that they really care And that they actually have expertise in the area that they're teaching. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of terrible digital courses out there. And that is why I will just say we are promoting Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy because of this very question. What do you want in a virtual teacher? And she teaches you how to be a brilliant virtual teacher. So if you want to learn more about that Digital Course Academy, you can go to katenorthup.com forward slash DCA. That
1: promo was totally not planned. Yeah. Thanks, Randy. Next is Sheila. Botalo. Yeah. Botalo. Yes. That's right. You're not even looking at the sheet. Do you know?
0: Well, I know our
1: people. Well, I do. I just don't know how to say their names.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's okay, honey. I know.
1: It's not. (laughs) so sad. I was like hanging out with three people that like write movie scripts yesterday and they're all talking about words and I'm like, I don't know what's the
0: I know. But also, I just want to say like to celebrate you you're setting up warehousing in our basement so that we can have this incredible yeah, streamlined systemized approach. You know, I would maybe get one planner in one box and that would be the end of that. Would it quit. wouldn't even end up in the mail. I know. If that were up to me. I know.
1: <laughs> what has been your greatest parenting victory as a team this year? Or what is your schooling setup and, or what is your schooling setup for Penelope this year? Well, Penelope's easy. She, There's a little school that's close to us that she went to starting last year. It's a pre-K. It's a pre-K. And so she's going to that again. So she's in there five days a week.
0: Yeah, she's a September 15th birthday. The cutoff to start kindergarten is October 15th. You have to be five by October 15th. So because she's only one month before the cutoff, we were on the fence about whether she was going to start kindergarten this year anyway. And obviously, with the state of the world, we were like, yeah, this isn't the year. No. Also, we talked extensively. I talked extensively about the vaccine issue in Maine. So we have a whole bunch of decisions to make. Anywho, so she goes to this sweet little, it's a pre-K that we can literally walk to. It's in a historical home. Yeah, it's cute. It's really adorable. So that's Penelope. I already told you about Ruby at the beginning of the episode. And then Ruby is also home during the day with our au pair, Amanda, who is the angel of our life. Mm Mm-hmm. During the day when she's not going to preschool, which is only an hour a day, four days a week. So that's that biggest parenting victory. Yep. I'm pretty psyched about the fact that Ruby doesn't wear diapers anymore during the day. Like that feels like a big parenting victory to me. I understand yeah. that every child gets potty trained. So like maybe other people don't think that's a big deal. But I thought that Ruby getting potty trained at two, you know, two and a quarter months was like pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ruby, I mean, it's not like we we didn't do anything. She did it all.
0: Yeah, mostly. <laughs>
1: we just got her a toilet.
0: We like moved it along a little yeah. bit.
1: Yeah, we just We did
0: a few days without diapers. Once to she see started what would showing happen.
1: interest, we were like, Great, you're yeah. yeah. I mean I'm she's I'm sure still... we can come up with something better than potty training. Well, stuff. I just think like this year This year. Well, Amanda showed up. That's so... not really a parenting
0: well, I guess it is a it parenting is a parenting
1: victory. <laughs> RO pair arrived. Let's see what I think just the beginning of the shutdown here and back in March and April is how you it's because it was really stressful those first couple of weeks of like what is happening right now. You know, we talked about our experience on here, but I think just really once we kind of got over the anxiety of what was taking place and we're like, okay, this is our life and we created a structure that actually worked for us in a way that we didn't think before that we it's something we wanted to do and That's that was true. like with the daycare shut down and school shut down and immediately one thing that we do not mess around with in our family like it is Kate and I I would say is we are quick responders to take action on things there was some stuff going on at our school where Ruby used to go and we're like we're out we're like we're not dealing with this and I've actually done that now recently with other things that I've been going to, it's like, if it does not feel good at this moment in time, I do, we do not waste our time with it. It's like, we are out. We are, we make quick. It's
0: rare that things like that get better.
1: Yes. I just like, I mean, if you really think about something that's gone downhill in your life, you could probably think back to, Maybe a year before, months before, where you're like, this is going downhill. And then it's that moment where we chose... It's like you either listen to yourself in that moment or you don't. And when we don't is when we like resent it down the line or something like that. Or it could become harder or more challenging. So... That was, I would say, back in early March and April, just like how we reframe like family life at that time. I think we did a really good job because you had to go to the office to work a lot with that. I was home with the kids. And then we, luckily, I had an office outside. Like you were still working the house. And just how when Amanda, when we got the notice, notification that Amanda was flying in from Brazil, we like rebuilt our house around like what this new life looks like in a way. We had to move furniture around. And just integrating a new person into our family is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And I will say like for, you know, that time in March, April and May when we didn't have any childcare, and I really moved through an initial freak out and then really moved into acceptance and actually joy around being with our kids so much more. And I moved through this block that I had around it. And I don't know what that block was about, but it was a huge parenting triumph because now I'm just like. Oh, like I just my capacity for being present as a mother has expanded because of the shutdown. And I really moved through some who knows ancestral stuff like whatever childhood trauma. I don't know, but I just I cleared it and I just like
1: so much more joyful to be with our kids so Mm -hmm. that's awesome cool thanks sheila uh amy shields this is from amy shields why are you not talking about medical freedom any longer in your social media platforms i started following you on facebook when you were speaking out about medical choice before the main vote and since then you haven't mentioned it also i was really hoping that when you had glennon on your podcast you would ask her about it since she supports so many politicians that are for vaccine mandates why didn't you ask her about this this is a very important topic for mothers and parents
0: this is a great question in the current climate where we are having so much information going on about this quote unquote new virus and everything i just the reason i spoke out about medical freedom in february Mm -hmm. and p.s i absolutely mike and i are pro immunity oh yeah we stand for the choice for what goes into our own bodies and our children's bodies. So just to be super clear, we are on the side of medical freedom. That being said, it is not the primary issue of our podcast, nor of my platform. It is integrated in the concept of freedom, the freedom of choice around our body. So I'm sure it will come up from time to time, but it's not something that I'm prepared to nor I do not feel educated enough, nor am I interested in bringing guests on and making that like a big political question that I ask them. It's just like not who I am at this particular moment in time. That doesn't mean that that couldn't change in the future, but I also will just say about the current health situation we have going on globally, I did not feel that I had capacity given the amount of stress that our family was under and the amount of stress the world was under, I did not have central nervous system capacity to hold a public conversation around health freedom in the context of a global pandemic. For me personally, that's not my primary issue. My primary issue is getting women to trust their bodies. The more women I can get to trust their bodies, the more families will stand for health freedom. But I'm not going at it from the direct route of like making health freedom my primary thing. I'm going at it from the perspective of then PS. There's a lot of reasons I want women to live in their bodies and trust their bodies. Medical freedom just happens to be like one of a bajillion bullet points. right? So if you're listening and you're like not about medical freedom, you can still play like we can play together. You know, like I just really want to say, though I am all about shaking up the status quo. At the end of the day, there's a bigger story here than health freedom. Mm -hmm. And the bigger story is ownership of our bodies and sovereignty over our bodies and trusting our bodies and living in our bodies. So for me, that's the bigger story. It becomes an umbrella that a lot of things fall under. So that's what I have to say on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I- and I
0: sh- certainly if it actually comes to pass that a vaccine comes available for coronavirus and then it is becoming mandated, I will likely speak up publicly about that again. Mm-hmm. At this point, that's not happening. And so I'm not going to create a whole bunch of hullabaloo about conjecture because to
1: me, it's not a good use of my time and energy. Agreed with that. Yeah, that's good. And Maine was also when we spoke about it in Maine, like it was it was urgent. It was our it was affecting our families here. It's affecting thousands and thousands of family in Maine. It was happening right now, you know, and it already happened. So and I think with Glennon and with when you have podcast when you have guests on your podcast, like the purpose for inviting Glennon was to really talk about her book and frankly like to
0: challenge her political views yeah
1: and i don't even know like it's you brought this up i'm actually curious you know i was just like oh okay you know it just popped in my head because i didn't even know about these things and like when we have guests on our podcast we don't know everything about their lives You know, like it's, we know, a small sliver, especially like if we're reading their books, like we're in there in that space. So
0: and to me, Glennon's on the team of trusting your body.
1: A hundred percent.
0: And you know how that shakes out for different people is how that
1: shakes out for different people. Because just like what Zach Bush talked about on the episode, he was all pharmaceutical. As a doctor, he was in that system and he was supporting that system. And then you realize that was the same with Kelly Brogan. We had her on the podcast. They were same with my mother and same with Kate's mom. Like, and you just and then they were like, this system's not working for humanity. Right. And so people are on their own journey with it. And we just support them on their journey where they're at. Thank you for that question, great question. Amy. Great question. Sarah Gad. Can you share with us more about your first days in business? What lessons did you learn from your mistakes? Maybe failures. We didn't have any of those, so it's <laughs> fine. i love to learn from how you did deal with the hard days where the results weren't what you aimed for. Mm, good question.
0: Well... I would say that my biggest mistake in business, which I honestly continue to learn, I just really want to say, like, I'm still really working on this one. I think it's my lifetime journey issue. As an Enneagram 7, the enthusiast, I'm ab- just obsessed with new things. Like, I got unreasonably excited about Melissa Urban's announcement that she came out with an exclusive line of Whole30 sauces for with Thrive Market. It's like unreasonably excited about new Whole30 approved sauces. I am so easily inspired. (laughs) And so it's part of my magic. It's one of my superpowers. It is also my downfall. So if there is one mistake that I have made over and over and over again, it's creating too many things. It's reinventing the wheel. And it's actually creative suicide Mm -hmm. where I am so obsessed with the creative process and I get so high on creation that I cannibalize our existing successful things, our existing successful business model by veering off and doing something new. So if I could go back in time, you know, seven years ago when we launched our first digital course, the money love course, let's say, and I know, honey, like, I just want to say publicly, I'm sorry. This created a lot of extra stress for us as a family and for you. And I'm getting better all the time, but like it's hard, you know? It's like I'm a little bit of an addict when it comes to starting new things. And so that's my biggest business mistake. And also my biggest business triumph because I'm so willing to go for it. Like I've never been afraid to try something new. I've never been stuck because i like worry that something won't work out like i always just assume everything's gonna work out and i go for it and i think you and i are the same that way which Mm -hmm. is kind of fun but yeah, but yeah so that's, that's I mean there's so many other business mistakes and Mike and I are going to do an upcoming episode we'll dive deeper into this mm-hmm. on the biggest things we've learned being in business together for the yeah. last decade so more to come
1: more to come on that and what Kay was referring to with the money love course is after it launched she really didn't want to talk about it again and I was like this is a great
0: no we launched it really successfully yeah. many times yep and then the final time was when I was just about to give birth to penelope so it was august 2015 and then after penelope was born i basically like i don't know if i was bored you were bored
1: because you wanted to create new things and so it's and i wanted to keep like i was like we need at least it could be its own brand like it could have a whole segment that's just operating by itself and i had all the you know we we worked with our my friend bradley will and we like came up with this whole thing and we had this whole thing and kate was like i'm not into it you know, and it could have been a thing that just runs automatically. And like, it's an amazing course. And we could have like trained people to do. I had all these ideas. Yeah. It's so thanks for still an amazing
0: course. Yeah, and it we is. still make sales from it. Yeah.
1: All the time. No, it still is fantastic. And
0: I also we, show up we in we the were, Facebook group once a month and answer questions live, which is really fun.
1: Yeah, that's fun. And, but we just it was like, it would like cause there was some stress in the business financially. There was like things that happened that, yeah, but it's, you know, it is what it is. It's like, that's what you learn from. So I would say my first days in business, it was... So, this was when I started the USANA business in 2010. And we will talk more about this. So, I'm not going to go too in depth with this, but just to kind of give you like, I really listened to the people that were successful before me in the USANA business, but you can do this with any company and any business. And I basically tried every single thing that they said to do. And that can be good and bad. I was also single or I had a girlfriend at the time, but I didn't have any kids and we were like dating. Right. So, it's like, I always just, I always thought I would be good at this. And I just was like, this is what I'm going to do. And like, I don't want to work for anybody else anymore. And I just started with that. Why? And I was like, I want my freedom. I want to be able to choose what to do. And I just started doing all of the things that people said to do this or go to the events. I attended the live things. I would go to all the training. I would spend hours doing all these things. And then I would actually do the work that they told me to do i would do 50 to 100 calls a day for literally months i was like checking off the list through tim sales's training program back in the day and i had like dials and dials and dials and how many sales came from that very little like very little money came from that after doing that for months and months and months but it created a routine and it created like the hustle For me in that form. So I would say from the first days of business, that's it. The biggest failure I would say with myself, and I know things work out for the right time. It was, I always had a thought and that's changed since I really started working with Raw at the beginning of um, this year. For me was... That I don't actually know the the answers. I have to look outside myself for the answers or somebody else knows what the solution is or what the right direction to go is. And the truth is, it's like only I can answer that. So Mm -hmm. thanks, Sarah. That was a great question. Lynn Asher. Hi, Lynn. And hi, guys. What are both your strengths and weaknesses in running your business together? And how do you complement one another you're trying to achieve in business? Does this apply to your personal lives as well? I think we'll answer that on the future episode.
0: We've touched on it for sure. Yeah. I'm definitely the visionary inspiration person. Mike is definitely more structure systems. Mm -hmm. Mike is really much better about being organized and laying out a plan. I am much better about just like all the ideas. I have no problem starting things. Uh, Neither of us actually have any problem starting things. I have a little trouble finishing them you're really good at finishing things
1: yeah it's the way I look at it is if you've seen the last dance or know about the Chicago Bulls there's Michael Jordan and then there's Scottie Pippen right and Kate's like Michael Jordan I'm Scottie Pippen that's how <laughs> that sums it up Every if people know what I'm talking about hilariously they get this means nothing, nothing to me to you. <laughs> But Michael Jordan's like the visionary. He's the one that he's the he's the best player on the team and he like helps the team get better. And Scottie Pippen was kind of like the backbone to Michael Jordan to be there the support. You know, and to they both became superstars because of them supporting each other. And for us that's what's kind of worked in and I realize like in all of my life of everything I've done I've been a really good I have elements of Michael Jordan but then, really good Scotty Pippen. So,
0: Mike had an astrological reading once where the astrologer told him, You are the field upon which the wildflowers grow. Yeah. So that pretty much sums it up. Thanks,
1: Lynn. And we'll dive more into that. More um, to come. That works on our business and personal. Yes. Uh, how did you propose? <laughs> Was this a joint decision or a surprise?
0: That's a fun question. And how
1: did you two know the other person was the one you wanted to share your life oh, with? Oh, wow. Whoa, that is deep. Um, I think
0: we told the full story of this in
1: episode one or two. Yeah, it's back at the beginning.
0: About the, the very beginning. So we'll do that. We're going to do the short version.
1: Mm-hmm. Basically, we were flying to Portland, Oregon to go to Chris Gillibo's World Domination Summit. I called Southwest in Manchester, New Hampshire and I said this is what I would like to do, can we make this happen at Southwest Airlines that is. And they let us into the they walked down the jetway first and then I got on a knee kind of when you load a plane and you turn left and there's that circle at the bottom right before you're on the plane, that's where I proposed. I had a sign put on the side of the airplane when we walked down. That said, will you marry me? Will you marry me? And it was
0: photoshopped by our friend, Scotty. It was two interlocking hearts with our faces in each mm-hmm. one. Yeah, we which have is framed, framed in, in our basement.
1: <laughs> then we had in Southwest, they get there's a spot with only two seats. It's like in the exit row. So we sat there the whole time and the whole plane got champagne and stuff to celebrate. And they um, announced
0: it over the loudspeaker. Yeah. So it was like a party. for. It was really fun. It was cool. We did know. We had talked about mm-hmm. it. I don't remember what happened. Not the
1: proposal, but we talked about getting no, married. No, but
0: I remember at some point we were in the kitchen of that little apartment we lived in across the street from the Greyhound station. And I had said something and you were like, so you're basically saying you want to get married. And I was like, I guess so. And I did. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then I think it was about maybe nine months later or something that you proposed. It was a total surprise to me that he was proposing. And I knew I wanted to marry Mike. I mean, I think that I knew that certainly within the first six months of our relationship, I knew I was going to say yes, but I couldn't believe how excited I was in the moment it actually happened. And it was like, you know, I just thought since I knew it was going to happen at some point and I already knew I was going to say yes, that it would sort of be like, yeah, of course. But it was like this overwhelming, like full body excitement that was
1: really caught me off guard, which was very cool. That's cool. And I was so nervous. I was sweating like a pig. He I like I went to yeah yeah yeah. Shirt. I went to the airport in a t-shirt, brought a separate shirt, went to the bathroom, changed cuz I you know this happens sometimes like when I know and when it's really hot out, I bring two shirts cuz I might sweat through one. And like I went to Oh, this is Maritza. Oh, Maritza. Maritza. Yeah, sorry Hi. I forgot to say who asked this question. But, yeah, but I like changed in the airport and then it kind of something was definitely happening when the person working at Southwest was taking us down the jetway.
0: Meanwhile, just the I two just of had us no idea before
1: anyone else boarded the plane like it was just the two of us. I
0: just Mike has a tendency to like call ahead and like get special stuff. So I just sort of assumed I don't know to go first. Like I just was like, oh, he called ahead to get a special thing. I have no idea. Yeah.
1: And then to answer your question about how did you know the two other person was the one you wanted to share your life with? I just, there was something different. It's kind of weird to like think back to be like, is this the per? you know, it's like, because like, I don't know. You just never know what's going to happen in 20 years from now, right? Like, but like, we're doing great together at this moment, right? But it's... <laughs> just keeping it open, folks. <laughs> and, but I just knew when we started traveling across the country, there was something different versus other women that I dated. There was just something different with Kate and i kind of knew and my parents saw it because we stayed at my parents house like day two that we knew we liked on the road trip and then kate's family knew it and just people in our life knew there was something happening here and it just like felt completely different there was a way that she challenged me that i've not been challenged before and i liked it and i was like okay what's up with this girl so sorry woman what's up with this woman okay do you want to answer that or no i did okay great All right. Uh, (laughs) Okay, can you look at... Asia Ray. Asia Ray. Hey,
0: Asia Ray.
1: Asia Ray Coleman, okay. Would love any tips you have about combining finances. What do you do when you disagree on priorities for spending? Does all income go into one bucket for joint decisions? My fiance and I are starting to combine finances for the first time. We're in escrow on a house and we have some renovations to do, but we have slightly different priorities. FYI, we use YNAB. Great. And are starting our weekly money date this week.
0: Okay. Great. Amazing. I love this question, Asia Ray. We, I just want to preface it by saying... Mike and I tend to agree on most spending decisions, so we may not be the best people to share with you on this simply because somebody who has struggled in this area might have a little more wisdom to share. But I'll just tell you how we organize our finances, and we have done it this way since really early in our relationship. Like We got our first joint checking account before we were engaged.
1: Yeah, because we signed... We had a business contract because we were running business together before we engaged. So we... It just
0: felt easier. It was your aunt and
1: uncle just telling us like, where do you guys see your relationship going? Or do you see it being together? Or do you see... And there's... or They were talking about there's like really two ways, three ways to run your finances in a relationship. And everything's completely separate. Everything's separate with a joint account. And that you, you divvy up like the household things like what you're doing together and then you have your separate spending money and then you're just all in all the time
0: so for us it felt do less to be all in all the time it's easier now in our situation we also have the same income source so it would make no sense to separate it we know plenty of people who keep everything separate and then each put a certain amount into a joint account for shared expenses that feels complicated to me i also have some like baggage about men and money in my life. So like the idea of like having to figure out who owes what and how much and da 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 actually makes me feel scared in my body. It just feels so much better that like everything's all together. And then in our relationship, <laughs> I don't know if I should share this, but in our relationship, like Mike pays for everything. <laughs> and it is very, yes, I make a lot of the money, you know, but it's like, it's very healing for me that like Mike pays for dinner and Mike pays the bills and like Mike pays for the cars. Like it just, it fe- makes me feel good based on my history. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> so the reason I'm saying this Asia Ray, is that I feel like both partners come into the relationship with their own money story. Mm-hmm. I've just made part of mine clear. Right. And so What's really important is you and your fiance, by the way, congratulations on the house and the the soon to be partner or spouse, is that you really get to know one another's money stories because I know where Mike's coming from around certain money decisions, fears, dreams, hopes, and he knows where I'm coming from. And so we can have compassion for each other when there is a conflict where it's really like, it's back to the same conversation, quite frankly, about what we were talking about earlier, you know, when our families might have different ways of approaching their political beliefs or whatever. It's it's to really stay in wonder and stay in wonder around like, oh, I wonder why. You know, Mike wants to spend that money on this when I want to spend it on this. And like, maybe what we could do is instead of butting heads about the spending issue, we could actually share what's in our hearts in that moment and share what our dream is and what our desire is. Because the desire to spend money on something is never about the thing. So, for example, every home we have been in, my first priority is always to get the guest area squared away. I don't know what this is about me, but like, it is just. Something about, like, I always want to spend money on our guest room. I always want to prioritize it. Like, to me, having people feel welcome and cared for in my home and tending to community and having this extended community is so important to me. And I would definitely hire an interior designer to design our guest room before my own bedroom. Mm -hmm. So that's because I just want people to feel like their family in our home and so if we were to have a spending conflict around that which we've sort of had some spending conflicts maybe around that actually we um,
1: have we've had discussions around yeah, this because
0: when i can come yes. to it from the perspective of knowing what's in my heart and knowing what my true desire is then we can decide okay does that true desire need to be met through spending Or could we make that true desire true through another avenue? And it may be that we don't need to spend all that money on our guest room. But in fact, I could meet the true desire of making people feel welcome through, you know, getting fresh flowers for the bedside table or, you know, having some main chocolates there for them or like something like that, that maybe doesn't have to be a huge expenditure. So it's really about consciousness and digging deeper into knowing what. Is it you are trying to get through spending that money
1: agreed it's i don't know i'll just speak for myself as a guy because you didn't say if your fiance is a man so i'm not sure but there's also the thing where as kate it's like men are supposed to be the providers and the supporters right and there's a lot of baggage that comes with that as guys especially from family stuff and that is not necessarily the way it is currently in 2020. And that's okay. Right? So you have to really get clear on each other's spending or your money stories. And for Kate and I, that was us really... And that took a little bit. That took a couple years to really dive deep. I mean, it's not like... We do have mo- weekly money meetings and that's a great place to start and it happens every Friday or we, if we can't do it Friday morning, we definitely schedule it when it's going to be happening. And we do yeah, one we now. we reschedule it. Like even now, it's the first of the month right now, right? So at the, we look at our finances from the previous August. So yeah, we reschedule and we make that a priority and it's a big deal. Like it's a, we take it very seriously.
0: I'm so excited you're starting yours this week, Asia, right? It's going to be a game changer. Yeah,
1: it's awesome. And then with the renovations and things like that to do is what we worked at in YNAB we just created a we just created a goal and let's say like we would love a whole house generator for us this is like this is a real deal our house loses power all all the the freaking time so welcome to me yeah so we're like okay what do we get for a whole house generator it's like nine thousand dollars Right? And that's a good chunk of change. And I know some places allow you to finance it. So you could look at it for like... So we look at like... We set aside a goal in YNAB. And we're just like, okay, we need $9,000 to get the generator. It's not sexy. We're not going on some like romantic vacation. We're putting a generator in in case their house loses power. Right? like It's
0: sexy (laughs) to not be cold in February.
1: I'll tell you that. (laughs) And when we had to spend three days at a hotel like a couple years ago. So it's just like what our priority is like, okay, that's the next goal, right? Like, and then we could have another goal after that. It could be... So you just stack them on top and be like, what is our priority right now? If we want to do landscaping outside, right? Is that a priority or is a generator priority? Or is it like going away for the wintertime priority? So you basically... you kind to, Now, there's things that, of course, I would rather want to do versus what Kate wants to do. You know, but you just like, you come to a compromise in the situation where we talk through it. It's like, what is, makes the most practical sense right now? Because I believe we can do them all. Like, I think we can do all of the stuff. All the truth
0: is that it's tapping into abundance versus scarcity. So Mike and I are both coming from the perspective of we can do it all eventually. Yes. So all of our goals are possible at some point. So when you come to the conversation and Asia, I know you're an amazing business owner, you know, and so like, there's no doubt that you also can have all the things that you want. Mm -hmm. And so coming at it from that perspective, and both of us have had to do work on ourselves to come at it from that perspective. And both of us slip back into lack for sure. Also, you know, and so that I love that you said that, Mike, I think that's so important. Like, Coming to the table, knowing that eventually we can meet all of our goals. And so that may mean that sometimes, you know, your partner's goal takes the center stage and then sometimes you toggle back to yours and you may need to bop back and forth and compromise that way. Or you may find that it's like, okay, these are our common goals for our marriage. And so we're going to prioritize these because collectively this makes the most sense for our shared goals now at some point down the line it may be that i'm doing a project on the side or that mike's doing something else and we don't have the same goal at the same time and you know we'll cross that bridge when we come to it
1: yeah i think it's great we are out of time for this initial set yeah. of recording great we're halfway through the questions oh wow yeah okay so i think we should find a another time and we can finish the questions okay because we have to go right now great because it's nine o'clock
0: Okay, so thanks everyone. This was really fun. I guess this was part one. I do not know when part two will be out, but maybe we'll do it as a bonus episode. Well, no, I,
1: yeah, we'll talk about. Figuring we'll talk out about to...
0: it. Thanks for all your questions. This was so fun.
1: Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right.
0: Okay, so we ended that semi awkwardly. <laughs> yeah, because the person was coming to measure for new blinds because Mike and I recently moved bedrooms. So anyway, we did not get to all the questions. However, we really enjoyed the questions we got to. And because we adore you and we're grateful for you, we want to get to the rest of them. So what we're going to do is this is the end of this episode. And then we're going to record the answer to the rest of the questions and release it as a bonus episode. So make sure you're subscribed to the Kate and Mike show so that you get the bonus episode delivered right to your podcast feed.
1: Yes. And the last announcement that we have before we end this episode is the Kate and Mike show wrap party that's coming up. So we get to see all of our listeners on Zoom.
0: Probably not every single one of them.
1: And the no, ones, not. Who wanna the come. ones that want to come. If you want to come, uh, you just go to katenorthrop.com forward slash party. And that should take you to a Zoom registration link. And the party is on September 16th at 3 p.m eastern standard time which for those of you outside of the united states that is new york time if you're on the california coast that would be at noon california time so if you're on the other side of the world just look at new york time and you know put your time zone to that and you'll find out the time conversion will happen also zoom will do that for you i believe once you register so that's it for part one thank you so much for your questions
0: yeah, and just so you know, the rat party is just a time for us to hang out. That's it. So no hidden agenda, no pitch. Nope. We might talk a little bit about what Mike's doing next. We can certainly, you know, just hang out and chat and whatever you want to know yep. about. We'd love to know about you and, you know. Whatever. What makes you tick? So Mm -hmm. it's really just a hangout time. Obviously, there will be a little structure and we're not going to all just like stare at each other on Zoom. I promise we'll be good facilitators. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um,
0: But we just wanted to connect with you. So go to katenorthup.com forward slash party and get yourself registered. It's totally free. And uh, we'll see you then. What if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you were doing the right thing at the right time in your business? For 28 days, I'm hosting a free experience called Right Thing, Right Time. And during it, you will do a simple, incredible data tracking practice that is going to help you align your business and your productivity and workflow with the innate intelligence of your body and nature to get into peak flow so you can kick indecision to the curb, work less, and get better results. You can learn all about it and join us over at katenorthrup.com forward slash RTRT. Again, it's a 28-day free experience called Right Thing, Right Time, and you can join us at katenorthrup.com forward slash RTRT.